911 emergency. What's your emergency? Welcome, everybody, back to another fantastic episode of We Speak Dispatch, because if we're talking dispatch, y'all should be talking dispatch as well. We have got the usual cast of characters on today's podcast, and we have a special guest, but let's introduce and check in with Doug and John. Doug, how's it going where you it's are? Middle Tennessee is always awesome. So, and, awesome. and I appreciate the fact you said y'all a second ago, so that's good. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I, I'm trying to, and I'll, I'll talk slower for you so it, it helps too. Anyway, John, how are you doing? Mid-Atlantic's great. Excellent. Excellent. And then our very special guest today is Heath. And uh, so Heath, tell us a little bit about who you are and where you are and, and what's going on with you. So I'm Heath Brant. I'm currently the uh, 911 director in Johnson County. Uh, Indiana. Uh, so we are just south of Indianapolis. Uh, give you an idea where we're located. Awesome. And how many dispatchers do y'all have? We have a total of 34 full-time oh, dispatchers. And are you fully staffed? Because that seems to be the burning question most often. <laughs> no. Walk? no mo most of the My year. My shock face. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, most of the year we've been uh, 10 positions down. So oh, we're wow. starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel. Um, yeah, just had a lot happen at once. Um, had a couple leave for uh, become police officers, and then mm -hmm. um, you know people leaving for jobs where they can work from home. Right. So, oh. Yeah, I'm seeing that's that. That's the one. big one. Yeah, that's yeah. the big one. I don't know There's... if you saw one of our episodes we had where the guy from uh, I forget where he's from, someplace... Alexandria, Virginia. Yeah, they do all the dispatching from somebody's house. It's like they bring uh, remote to your house, remote dispatching. I'm like. I can't even imagine how that sounds complicated. So it no. does, <laughs> but, but it, yes. it certainly is. Um, and when he said this, I'm like, oh, wow, that is very innovative because they had a dispatcher who had been with their agency for several years. She was married to somebody in the military who had gotten deployed across the country. And uh, she was still able to maintain her employment with the agency because she's now just logging in from home. And because of the time change, she was actually able to work like a, a night shift and it wasn't really graveyard for her, but it was graveyard for the agency. And it was just this whole thing, but yeah. Wow. It sounds very, very of, fraught with yeah. problems. So. Yeah. A lot of stuff is happening with, with dispatching and, yes. and, you know, making sure that people get the training and, and the staffing and all of that stuff that they need. So pretty crazy. So we kind of have you here because you had a, a fairly, significant incident happen in your area and if you'd like to uh share some of that insight with uh with us and the people who are listening i'm sure we can take some lessons learned from what you experienced at your agency during an active shooter yeah so uh on july 17th at about 5 uh, 57 in the evening we had just done a shift change about 20 minutes prior to that and oh. Um, first call comes in, our, our 911 lines kind of just take off. Uh, I think we've all probably seen something like that. You see a serious accident or something like that, your mm -hmm. lines light up. And this one was a little bit different. Uh, there was a report of an active shooter in the Greenwood Park Mall uh, food court. And, you know, if, if, you've, if you've heard the audio, you know that a significant number of calls rolled over to a neighboring agency, which is by design. Uh, our system is set up 
to do exactly what it did. Um, so we, there's still lessons to be learned there. Um, and we've had some meetings since then about that and, and which I'll kind of go into here a little bit, but um, yeah, we took, you know, the, the week prior to on, on July the 10th, we took three 911 calls in a 30 minute time frame, mm-hmm. uh, but oh. not, not the whole day. No. Oh, yeah, I'm like, <laughs> I was going to say the whole week you took three 911 no. calls. No, no. <laughs> well, the system we was took, down we to took, weeks. That isn't telling you. <laughs> <laughs> no, we, we took three calls between the 545 and 615 hour on a Sunday mm-hmm. um, evening. And on the 17th, we took 98. Wow. Uh, wow. 98. 38 minutes. Yeah. 30 minutes. Do you, did, do you accept texting? We do. And we did not get any. Uh, really? We wow. did not get any, which I am shocked with the number of people that we had hiding uh, throughout the mall. Seriously? So that's where that's where I think one thing that we are going to do, um, you know, as, as things kind of um, clear from this mm-hmm. is kind of really push a campaign is for texting to make sure that everybody knows. I mean, the state's done a really good job. Um, a lot of people know Indiana was the first state to be fully implemented with text to 911 mm-hmm. with every mm. PSAP. So um, we all have it. It's um, it's available and, you know, we want to make sure that that word gets out there. So that's something that we're going to be looking to do and is just kind of doing a immediate campaign. You said campaign those calls got rolled over to another agency. Did they just ship them right back to you? So that's where we, we talk about, yeah, the system did exactly what it was supposed to do, but we can still learn from it. And mm-hmm. that is, uh, you know, it's related exactly to that. So, cause yeah, the first three, four or five calls, they were just trying to transfer them right back to us. Mm-hmm. So when they say, Hey, it, there's an active shooter at the Greenwood mall. Okay. You're in Johnson County and let me train right. Johnson County. Right. Yeah. Which I think is exactly what any dispatcher would do. Right. Sure. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, so we are, uh, I had a, I've had a meeting with uh, the director of Bartholomew County, Todd, uh, and uh, Jeff Shimmer, who's a state 911 uh, board director here in Indiana. Mm-hmm. And um, to talk about how the state can really help us and get AT&T involved and then digital to help with identifying those calls so that when they ring into another PSAP, that we know that they are rollover calls so that we don't have that period of, of a couple of minutes where we're trying to transfer calls. So mm-hmm. when it rings in, we know, don't try to transfer this back because we got it for a reason. Right. Yeah. So that's something that the state's really uh, pushing for us um, at the moment with AT&T. Yeah. And, that it, and I've heard that happen. I think the Virginia Tech shooting was another one where that sort of thing happened. And <laughs> yeah. yes, I, I would imagine 98 calls in 30 minutes um, that it was just chaotic and nobody has time to even get on the radio and maybe do a, a region-wide broadcast that says, hey, we're having this event just to put people on notice. Because you're right. I think if if somebody knows the area and hears, oh, you're at that mall, let me transfer you back. And so some great training, I bet, will how many How many schedules were working that particular day? Uh, yeah. Seven. We had seven working. 98 calls uh, for seven dispatchers. Yeah, so we, ans- wow. we answered 65 of those. Yeah. Um, and if you think about it, it was more more like a twenty minute time frame uh, mm-hmm. than thirty because the first call came in at five fifty seven. So yeah, we had seven plus a, a trainee. So we had a, a total of eight. But oh, trainee sitting there straight. going, "Yikes!" Yeah, <laughs> you're cut. Yeah. You're cut loose. That's yeah. right. And that's kind of what it was. I you know I talked to him the next day and I said, you know, you kind of got that 
we're gonna have to throw you off the end of the dock and hope you swim. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Because you know we got you know we got to focus on something else at the moment. So yeah, wow. It, did 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 the uh, trainee really uh, just jump in and start just answering calls? Yeah, so he didn't answer any calls. Um, he oh. was training on one of our law talk groups that night, so he kind mm-hmm. of managed what little traffic there was. Luckily, okay. Um, when something like that happens, I think the rest of the agencies that are being dispatched by the, the by the PSAP understand mm-hmm. it's time to shut up. It's time to to not do anything. Right. Um, if we're not going to that scene, we're going to go somewhere and and not um, not stir anything up for us. Right. So, and I know that your, your incident had the citizen who ended up killing that guy. Did you get calls of a second shooter? Like, oh my God, who's this guy now? He's got a gun. So yeah. well, it's got to be confusing. Yeah. yeah. So we did. Um, yeah. But the first phone call that we got, um, the shooter was already down. Oh, oh. wow. Um, so yeah. Uh, the, from the time that the incident started to the time that the, um, shooter was down was 15 seconds oh my wow, god i didn't realize it was yeah. that quick wow. yeah so uh but i mean you look at how much you know damage he did in 15 mm-hmm. seconds yeah. mm-hmm. um had that young man not been there uh, i mean i can't even begin to imagine how how bad it would have been yeah it was uh was armed heavily and uh but yeah, we did get a report of a second uh, second shooter that turned out to be. Um, I've always thought that when we do training classes and you work in a state that has like constitutional carry, so people can carry guns. And if mm-hmm. you get an active shooter and somebody calls you, I've got a gun. Do you want me to do it when we shoot them? I mean, what do you tell this person? I don't know their abilities. It's like, I don't know. But it's like if somebody comes in that building and they see you with a gun, they're going to think you're the bad guy. So it's like right. I've always tried to tell people, like, be careful if you're in these kind of states that have that thing because you're going to be i don't even know what to tell somebody i have no idea or or, or if not maybe yeah. they don't and i don't know the first thing that comes to my mind and thank god i'm not under the console right now would be do what you need to do to feel safe yeah right yeah yeah you know That's the thing. or you know if you think it's safe to do so well yeah i'm a gun carrying member i'm gonna shoot okay do what yeah. you need to do to remain safe <laughs> right yeah yeah. Well, and and then it goes back to, you know, as dispatchers are trained from the beginning, you've got to get a really good suspect or now civilian description. Mm-hmm. So your dispatchers or whoever's working the radio can make sure, hey, guys, just to let you know, we had the first shooter and now we've got a citizen who may or may not be armed and actively engaged in this situation. Talk about just everything happening all God. at once. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no kidding. I mean, our guys did a great job, and mm-hmm. yeah, they've received a lot of praise from from me and from from all across the state. Mm-hmm. Um, but one thing that they did really well is you, you talk about all those calls and all the different information. So many people calling in saying, you know, there's a, a shooter at the mall. Okay, did you see anything? You know, no. Um, <laughs> I only heard I heard gunshots, and you know, I ran out. Mm-hmm. Well, at that point you know, we've got to move on to the next caller. So they did a really good job ask. with yeah. with prioritizing and making sure that is this someone that has information that's going to help us to help mm-hmm. people and help our, our responding units. Um, you know, so they did a really good job sorting through those. So that's how we were able to make it through 65 calls. Do you have in, EPD? In do you guys use that? We do not. Okay. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, because that, wow. that would not go that quick. <laughs> right. And that's well, I, and I would I would say to that, and we don't either uh, have a protocol base for police, but we're trained. No, 
but we're trained as dispatchers to get full vehicle suspect information mm-hmm. and go through the essential script in our minds. Right. So one of the things I was going to ask, and Heath, I'm, I think it's great you touched on it, is well, your training kind of kicks in, but it doesn't, that you got to adjust to say, okay, you're not involved. You only heard something. I may get your name and phone number just because you're a witness to it and then say, stay safe, take cover, goodbye. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Anyone Heath, that you know of want to say, can you stay on the line with me? And your dispatcher said to say, I can't. Not, not that I heard. Um, and we had, we, I think everybody understood um, kind of what was going on. We made sure, you know, if we had people, obviously that our mall is a pretty large mall uh, and we had people hiding in stores and corridors behind counters, uh, businesses that were pulling, um, you know, customers in and locking them in their back rooms. Um, mm. So we had to, you know, I think we, once we said, are you safe? Are you somewhere safe? And they said, yes. I said, we will, find, we will get somebody to you. Um, you know, we, we reassured them that uh, the shooter, that there was no, no current danger that we mm-hmm. were aware of. So we reassured them of that, but um, taking names, phone numbers and where their location was inside. Um, and for several hours after we were actually guiding the search, the units that were clearing the mall um, to these different locations where we had people hiding. Wow. Well, I was going to ask you, did you get calls after it had been code four and the guy's dead and the police are there? Did you still get calls of people going, we're hiding? We don't know where we're, you know, can we come out now or not or what? Mm. Yeah. For, for at least two hours after. Oh my gosh. Goodness. Yeah. Wow. So, so it's kind of weird that, um, it was the same week as our county fair and our, our mobile command unit goes to the county fair and handles all the communications for all the security out there. I happened to be working in the mobile unit that night. So oh. um, along with uh, one of other one, another one of our admin staff was in there with me and um, we packed that thing up and we, we uh, headed to the mall. We were, we were on scene uh, and, in less than an hour after it happened. Oh, yeah, and wow. probably an hour to two hours after we got there, they were still pulling people out. Wow. Mm. Wow. Do you have um, maps of the mall? And, and if even if you had them, was there time to pull them out and, and really use that as a tactical resource for you? Yes. Yeah, so um, actually the, the dispatcher that was working um, that talk, that law talk group that night, I actually brought up a map and what we did is so all those all the search units that uh, uh, we, it was two different SWAT teams that were in clearing the building and um, we kept them on that primary talk group and so they had continuity with the person that was uh, started started this whole thing and so she was she had a map up and was kind of marking where people were and uh, being able to guide people where they were going. Yeah, that's awesome. And that's we, we talk about that when we talk about active shooter classes of having a map of the mall or someplace. Because if somebody says, yeah. I don't know where I'm at, but I'm at the Rocky Mountain Chocolate Factory. You could find it if you know where right. the mall is. Yeah. Yeah. And we do that with all of our schools. Um, we even have all the uh, layouts of all the schools in our mobile unit as well. Wow. So that um, if we're on the scene there, then, you know, they can mark off rooms that have been cleared. And uh, so when you take your mobile command post out to the mall, does it become the primary dispatcher out there? Or does it still stay at your center? Um, in, in this case, you know, we kept the uh, we took over uh, primary for the incident, 
Um, the search crews that were clearing the building stayed on the, the primary talk group uh, that they were on and that stayed here at the center. Um, but then we took over all of the communications with the exception wow. of fire. Wow. And that's wow. when you say we took over, Keith, that's you and your admin assistant? Yeah, he was, it's our training coordinator. He was with mm -hmm. me. Oh, okay. Yeah. okay. And yeah. there's something to, I think, mention is July 17th was a Sunday. Yeah. And so a lot of things are happening and things to consider for centers is yeah. what's going to happen after hours, weekends or holidays where there is a skeleton crew. I mean, if it happened, an incident like this magnitude happens during the week and there are support staff on site, mm -hmm. you can maybe pull a couple people in to just answer any kind of overring or staff like a non-emergent position. So other people can staff yeah. and cover the 911 calls here. It wasn't like that. And I, right. You know, thankfully, you had the mobile command post out that Keith, you and your training coordinator, that's two plus people right there. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. And then uh, you guys know Travis. Yeah. So mm -hmm. he he uh, he came in here to the center and um, our CAD administrator. So the entire admin staff, we have four admin staff, including myself, we were all involved. Uh, so the two of them came in. The other, the us other two were up up north. Now the shift, the shift that left, because you said it was right around shift change. Did they anyone come back to say, okay, I'll help out? Um, some some called and, and okay. said, if you need me, uh, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm available. Yeah. And we had other people who were on their days off call and say, I'm 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 available if you need me. Right. Okay. Um, with the fact that we took we took over a lot of the communications uh, in the mobile unit, and then um, and then you know Travis and and Bill, our our CAD administrator, both came here to the center. We we were pretty good at that point, which, you know, like we talked, we're talking about staffing earlier, you know, we're 10 people short every night. I mean, seven is what we're supposed to have, but when you're 10 people short, you can't always have that. We yeah, haven't, right. we haven't had that all summer. So the oh. fact that we had seven people that night, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> it's yeah, it was, the fact that it was a Sunday where people think yeah. nothing's going to happen on a Sunday. It's like, right. bam, it's like right there. So, wow. Yeah. 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 Any big, you know, we've, we've got a couple minutes left. Any big lessons learned that people who are listening or people who have hopefully are starting to think about, gosh, what would we do if this happened at my agency? Some, some big takeaways that people can start to think about. Um, you know, you, you can never, you can train all you want and I, nothing ever prepares you for um, that first phone call that you get that something like this is happening. Um, you know, so, you know, one thing that's been nice for us is that we actually have been able to train with our units when they, um, with our field units that's on great. scene, yeah. um, when they're doing their rescue task force training, what they've been really working Ooh. hard at. So they responded really well. So, you know, just looking at a, a preparation standpoint is mm -hmm. looking at making sure that you can, if you can, if you have that kind of relationship with your, you know, police and fire departments, train with them. Right. Um, it's important to know what they're doing so that you can kind of picture that in your mind, what that scene looks like. Um, because it, it, it's, our, it's important that they know the incident command structure because unified command was set up um, pretty quick in this sense. So they have to know who am I talking to, who is talking to me and mm -hmm. kind of where mm -hmm. do I need to send this information or that. So um, just understanding what that scene looks like, I think is really important for a dispatcher. Yeah. 
It's funny because that's the same thing. The person we had before you from Evaldi was talking mm -hmm. about training with the officers, how valuable it was. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, same thing with y'all. And it's like, I don't understand agencies that don't do that, that yeah. exclude the dispatch. And it's like, yeah. makes no sense to me. Yeah. Yeah. And, I'm surprised and, that. Go ahead, John. Oh, I, was, I said, when Keith, you mentioned incident command, I'm surprised that fire and police, more so law enforcement, even know how to initiate that. <laughs> well, well, that, that's and that's one of the things that um, was there a joint command post. Once we got there, yes, um, fire <laughs> was was the first on the well, fire is the first to establish command when when mm -hmm. they got there, and yeah. you know we had an after action with the fire department. Uh, we haven't had the one with the multi agency yet. That's um, be on the fifteenth of this of next month, mm -hmm. but um, that's one of the things that we kind of had to take away was. Um, you know, I appreciate the fire so much. Um, not that I don't appreciate law enforcement, but the, the fact that fire, uh, per the, the fire departments, you know, they they live and die by incident command. They, right. they use it every day. Yeah. Uh, these, you know, these guys, um, you know, we had one person talking to us and that was the battalion chief. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And, um, whereas we had on the law side, we had someone that established right. command but then we couldn't get a hold of command and then people weren't talking to command. People were right. still talking to us. Right. We had someone say, Hey, I need this door locked. And then a couple minutes later, someone come back and go, I need this door unlocked. Um, so there was, so, and I'm waiting on some reports from, from the state to show how many push to talks we had on the fire side, as opposed to the law side Ooh, to yeah. hopefully, you know, illustrate that to them. It was like, this is how much radio traffic there was on the fire side. This is how much there was on the police side. And hopefully they understand it, it, and what's nice, you know, to credit to our guys, because talking to the battalion chief at their after action, he's, we were telling him how difficult that was for us to try to get the two commands together. Mm -hmm. We can say, okay, fires established command here. We need you here. We need, we need, um, you know, law command to go over there. And that was, that was tough for us trying to get out to find time to get on the radio, to tell them that and get right. them over there. But the battalion chief said, I thought it would happen seamlessly. So, <laughs> you know, thank you for that work. I didn't realize you guys were working that hard to make that happen for us. So, right. um, yeah. Wow. It's, yeah. It is definitely a team <clears throat> effort and so many lessons can be learned. And I, I think any and every time anybody who's listening, when you're watching the news or you're around visiting or something happens, um, you know, start to process okay how would we handle that at my agency what would we do who would we call who's our mutual aid do we have that rollover policy that you're talking about and then if it does roll over and they try to send it you know all of these yeah. questions that you've provided some really great insight to and i hope that you know it just spurs that that conversation that that we speak dispatch that the next time you're on shift or the next time that you you know have some downtime at your agency that you're starting to work through these things because unfortunately in today's world it's not a matter of if it's a matter of when mm -hmm. and uh, we all we all have to get prepared for it so thank you very much Heath for coming on we appreciate your insight um, it is invaluable to everyone who is listening and uh, thank you very much for sharing what you can and uh, we will. I know I will see you at APCO in a couple of weeks. So, I'll yeah. see him too. I'll just be oh, there. Oh, that's right. You, so. Yeah. Doug's going to be there, but he's not going to the game with us. So Some of us have to do things. Some of us have like our own, you know, things going here. So anyway, so thank you very much. And everybody else, find us on Spotify and podcasts and YouTube and all sorts of social TikTok. media. 
Instagram, yeah. everything. So. Everything, everything. <laughs> tell your friends, tell your friends' friends, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Have a great trip. Thanks. Hi, this is Courtney, and you've been listening to another great episode of We Speak Dispatch, proudly sponsored by our friends at Zybex.